You're listening to Theological Sidebar, where I, your host, will take you through a beautiful discussion of things that are interesting that come from the biblical text and the crazy world around us. Buckle your seatbelt. Here we go. Hit that subscribe button. Check out our YouTube channel. Um, I think that's about it. We'll talk to you later. Enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Theological Sidebars. Welcome. Glad you're here. Here we go. Another day. Another week. Another video. Today's topic. What does the story about Jesus walking on the water actually have to do with me? Interesting question. Um, I think it'd be kind of fun to kind of think through. But anyways, let's go there. Let's go to the text, shall we? Because if you're like me, you probably have heard this story many times. And I think something that all of us need to ask, right, is when I read a biblical story, um, we need to ask, what is the purpose of this story? I think so many times we get caught up and we just like, yeah, yeah, yeah I know the story. I know the story. But do we understand that there's a, there's a, like a preaching function of the story, that there's a, there's an application. There's something that's in this story to teach us something. Um, it's not just there to tell you, Hey, like Jesus did these things and you should know about all these things. It's not just there to tell us a good story. You know, we like entertainment. Uh, we all have subscriptions to whatever, you know, thing that you use. And uh, I like being entertained. I like a good story. But is that what this is all about? No, these are not just entertaining. So now, granted, look, the walking on the water is entertaining. I mean, that's a fascinating story to think through what that actually looked like. But what is, uh, you know, what is Matthew's purpose in it showing us this? So now we'll finally go to the text, shall we? Okay, so look, here's the deal. You start with this, and it just shows Jesus goes out to pray. Um, and he, he goes to pray. The disciples are out. They're supposed to go meet him. And then um, you, you get to this part where I, he's, he's walking on the water, and it says uh, they're terrified. They think it's a ghost, that he's a ghost. I think that's interesting, too. Um, you know, I... <laughs> Here's something I kind of wondered about. Like, I'm not sure. I'd, I'd love to look more into, like, the ancients and their traditions about ghosts. Uh, like, did they did they have ghosts that were associated with water? Uh, you know, like the seas. Did they have, like, old fishermen tales? I don't know. I don't even know if they wrote some of this down. But obviously, you know, there's you see references to these in the Old Testament that, you know, people still were superstitious and they thought about ghosts. Anyways, that's what they think. It's naturally like who's on the water with them. So it says, immediately Jesus spoke to them, have courage, it's I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. After climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and beginning to shrink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got in the boat, the wind ceased, and then these in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. So here's the deal. I think there's two things that Matthew's really doing here. First off, 
I think he is showing that Jesus is the greater Moses. Uh, that's something that was already set forth in the Torah, where Moses tells the people uh, that a prophet like me will be uh, come from you, and you better listen to him. And then so much so, if you read Deuteronomy 34, it's like, and since Moses, there's not been a prophet like him, uh, and, and which kind of makes me wonder how late that death chapter was written to. Uh, because I think that if that's put together by someone like a Ezra, think about what that means. It's like through the through a thousand years, still that guy hasn't come. So much so, you see references to this prophet, uh, like in the Gospel of John, they're asking John the Baptist early on, are you the prophet? Uh, they're expecting the guy to come. And so I think this is highlighting the fact, you know, Moses can separate the waters, but Jesus walks on the water. Uh, and Jesus uses his arm to grab, uh, you know, Peter out of the water. Uh, and, and you reference some of the places in the Torah of, of, the, of the Lord with his own hand saving Israel uh, through that. So I think that's part of this. Um, but I think the other part of it, too, is, I mean, it could have stopped and just said, right, like, you know, hey, and Jesus saved them. And, uh, you know, that was it, you know, the, the, he got in the boat and that was it. But there's, there's a teaching piece to this, right? There's, there's the question of like, when he says, uh, you have little faith, why did you doubt? And there's the other piece of like, why Peter began to sink. And so I think that's what we need to focus on too. Is like, okay, so why did he doubt? That's the point, right? That Peter is actually able to walk on water, but, but why did he doubt? Um, notice in the text here that what happened to him. It says that when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and he cried out. So understandably, Peter comes out. He's seen Jesus do this miracle. Uh, he's excited to try to try it out uh, because Jesus has given them power to do things already. See that in chapter 10 when he calls and sets apart the disciples. So here he is. He's going to do this. But notice his goal is to get to Jesus. Tell me to come to you. So the point is I'm coming to him. But as he gets out, he starts to kind of kind of start to look around, right? He, he's looking around at everything, and then that's when his eyes get off of Jesus and get focused on everything else. It begins to collapse. Uh, he begins to sink because now he's more worried about what is happening around him than he is the destination where he's supposed to go. And so I think that really ties in well to what we see in something like Hebrews 12. So let me just remind you, it says, Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right throne, the right hand and uh, throne of God. So I think this is really a story to once again to say, like, you need to keep your focus on Jesus. Like, Peter should have kept his focus literally on Jesus because as he's looking at the waves, he's, he's recognizing, though, that this is the one who's enabled me to come this far, right? As long as he would have kept his eyes literally on Jesus, uh, he could have seen Jesus isn't going anywhere. Jesus is like casually walking on the water. Like there's waves. I mean, think about that. Does Jesus just walk straight through and the waves are just kind of parting while he's walking through? Or is he climbing over? Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm imagining that he just calmly strolls because Gospel of Mark tells us that he intended to walk past them, right? That's a fun little detail. Um, so he should have kept his eyes, recognized Jesus is calm. I should be too, because he's the one who's enabled me to walk this far. Like immediately once he stepped onto the water, he recognizes Jesus is the one in control of this. 
keep walking, keep focused. Um, you know, it, it's like, uh, it, you know, it's like when they tell you if you've ever done like a tight walk, a tight rope, or you do those, um, those, uh, you know, when you're up high, don't look down, right? Why? Because you begin to get distracted when you start looking and you begin to get fearful. If you just keep your eye on like where you're supposed to go, you're going to make it through. And so I think that's, that's a great way to kind of think through this passage too, is you look at what the author of Hebrews tells us to do. And what does he tell us to do? He, he tells us that you keep your eyes on Jesus. Now, this is not a literal keeping your eyes, like don't find a picture and just keep it there. Don't put a little necklace and kind of look. I don't think we should be doing images, anything like that anyways. Um, but just keep your eyes on him. So what does that mean to keep your eyes? It means focused on who he is. And more specifically, notice what it wants you to do is keep your eyes on Jesus and recognize that he's the pioneer. He's the one who started your faith, brought you to faith. He's perfecting your faith. You know, he's, he's working through you. He'll sanctify you and glorify you one day. And then it gives you this part here right? Which is the idea that the joy that laid before him endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So that's, that's like, keep your eyes on Jesus, keep your eyes on the gospel. So here's what that means for you and I, okay? I guess if you want to, you'd be like, well, what are the storms in your life? And, you know, I don't want to do that. I just want to say this, like what we're told to do is as you live this life, what we should be doing is we should be focused on Jesus as we live, right? That, that's what we're so, there's a lot of things that the, even the text is telling us right here that there's things that can ensnare us, sins, things like life gets in the way. You don't just start up each morning and just say like, hey, I'm good to go. Now you might, you know, you might kind of have this uh, easy, uh, happy-go-lucky view, but you should also recognize that that we could easily be ensnared by sin. So what do I do? I keep my focus on Jesus. I keep my focus on him, on the gospel. And so there's two pieces to this. As long as I keep my focus on him and why he had to come for me, I recognize my sinfulness and his goodness. Uh, that's something that keeps me in check. But the other piece of this is as you take on life and you recognize that um, it's hard. You know, like on Sunday, I, I talked about this and multiple people said, this has been hard things coming. And yet here's the thing. As long as I keep my focus on the gospel, here, here's the cool piece. I can understand Jesus has done all these things already. That when I, when I experience what I'm experiencing, part of that is me getting to, to experience just a fraction of, of something that he went through. Why? Because he went through for me. And so as I go through, I would reflect on my situation instead of reflecting on all the garbage and all the things that are sinking me and feel like they're dragging me down. My focus comes back to you went through this for me already, Jesus. Help me to keep my eyes focused on you. Help me to keep my eyes focused on your plans and your goals for me. Keep Christ as the goal, uh, as the, the one that you're walking towards in all of this. Keep your eyes focused on him. So the question is, what, what's going on in your life? What's bringing you anxiety? What's giving you pressure and stress? Um, keep your eyes focused on the gospel. Keep your eyes focused on the work of Jesus and the person of Jesus. And, and I think you will have it a little bit easier. You, you may not collapse is, is easy. We're going we're gonna to fall every now and then. But notice Jesus never sinks. He's there to pull you back up. But we should try to start each and every day, I think, with our focus on him. Focus on the gospel. Focus on Jesus. Focus on the cross. Focus on your sinfulness and his perfection. And you were a reason why he had to go, but he, did, he came for you, right? Um, 
I think all of that is stuff that you and I should do as we live this life. We walk through with our eyes focused on him. And as you go through a rough patch, you recognize he's there. He's gone through worse for you, and he will be with you through it all. All right, I hope this is helpful. We'll talk to you a little bit later. Take care. Bye-bye.